0: The new series that we're going to be getting today it's going to be up on the screen. It's called Ekklesia. Ekklesia, um, living as God's people. And as you'll see here in just a few moments, uh, this word, if you've never heard of it before, Ekklesia is uh, one of the most common Greek words for the church. So we're, as we've shifted um, in recent times, as the doors, of the church have um, become open again. And uh, we want to invite people to reconnect with the church, to reconnect. You know, when we talk about the church, we're talking about so much more than this. Uh, When we say the church, we're not talking just about a physical location or a building. This is what comes to mind for many people when you say church, but we actually are talking about this, we're talking about the people. We refer to the people more than any building, and for the last two years, it really has been uncertain times. We've had a, um, a schedule changes, we've had obvious restrictions that have made it hard for us to come as the people into a building, perhaps, uh, to meet and as Jeremy was saying, that, you know, just many, it's very easy, and many times people get disconnected. Many people can be isolated and even fragmented in their relationship to God's community with the, with the church community. And, and thankfully, we, we've had technology uh, to help us. Uh, it's been great in the short term. And as I said, it's been, it's been easier in many ways, it's been more comfortable. But nothing can replace the physical gathering together of God's people. So we've, we've made the adjustments. We have um, uh, wanted to look and say, God, in your word, can you show us, give us guidance, uh, give us direction? And so we believe that this has been the perfect time, coming back into our in-person meetings after a long time of ups and downs. And we don't know what the future holds. But uh, we we, we know that things are starting to look better, and Lord willing, that is the case. But we thought this is a great time, a perfect time to to say, God, would you speak to us about your church? Would you speak to us once again and afresh, what does it mean to be your people, to live as God's people? What does it mean to be the church? You know, that's a very uncomfortable prayer. Would you agree with me on that? (laughs) Because you're saying, God, what does it mean? Because as he reveals himself, our desire is to follow him. Our desire is to live that out. And it's to have God's word rule our hearts in every area of our lives. And sometimes that's not comfortable. That's not easy. But it's the best thing for you. It's the best thing for me. It's the best thing to allow God's Word to rule, to guide us. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about ecclesia, living as God's people, the church. Maybe you thought it's honey, right? <laughs> Maybe the little bees, I should have little bees flying around here or something, but um, but the uh, we're talking about the church. You know, this... Next word here is, uh, this is actually the the word in Greek for ekklesia, and the reason why we're we're showing this word or using this word as the inspiration uh, is it's the most common word in the New Testament to refer to the gathering together of God's people. Um, No one word is sufficient. (laughs) Um, In fact, there are over a hundred words phrases, metaphors, uh, many of which that we will talk about in the days and weeks ahead. But to kind of gather them all up and to put it into one word that we can use for the sake of our series, we just chose the word ecclesia, the most common word in God's word to refer to the church. And, And each week as we do go deeper, there will be phrases, there will be words, and this will help us to grow in our understanding of what does it mean to be the church and what does it mean to live as God's people. And as we learn about that, I want to invite you that we would commit ourselves to say, God, help us. By your spirit, help us to live as your church in this place and this time. So, Let's start by asking, what, what does it mean, the word ekklesia? Uh, and now we have some Bible school students here, and, and uh, uh, have you heard this word before? How many of you have heard this word ekklesia before? Yes. Well, if we were to break this, this word down, um, ekklesia is actually two Greek words. I'm not going to give us the whole Greek lesson here. Uh, my wife can do that because she used to teach Greek. Um, but the ekkaleo, uh, the ek here, Uh, Think of exo, or on the outside, from or out of. And the kaleo is to call, to invite, to gather. So the idea is a calling out, come out from where you are, gather to a new place. So the word of a gathering, a meeting, um, an assembly, a council, these are common words uh, about what a church in the, the, this la- in the Greek language, a calling out and inviting, so a, a group of called out ones. It was a common word. It was used in the Roman Empire. It was used also slowly, it began to be used with the church. Those who are called together as God's people. But it was never used for a building, it was never used. In that way. In fact, if you look in um, different letters in the New Testament, for example, in Philemon, when Paul writes to Philemon, he says, To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to the what? Church that meets in your home. So here we have an example of a building, and it's called a building, it's called a home, but it's not referred to the church. And to the church, the gathered ones. The, those that are have come together as God's people that happen to meet in your home. <laughs> uh, or look at 1 Thessalonians, an, another verse that, that Paul, and actually this is the first usage in one of Paul's letters. He says, to the church of the Thessalonians, and this is where we see uh, the, the change in God. The Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, to the church, to the, the gathered ones who are there in Thessalon- Thessalonica, to the church in God, the people of God, the ones that God has called out there in Thessalonica. This is how Paul addresses the people, not the building, the people. So, the word refers to God's people who have gathered together. This is the ecclesia, and we want to say, God, okay, so if the church is not a building, if the church is you and me and its people, the question that we have, okay, so how do we live as the church? How do we live as God's people? And today, in this very first message, we're going to be talking more about who is the church than what is the church. I mean, what is the church is a great question. You know, what, what is it? I mean, is it, is it, you know, there's different ways we can answer that. But we may come to that. It may come up. But the question today is more of who is the church? And I hope that becomes clear as we go into our study for today. Uh, you know, we're going to be in 1 Peter. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 uh, Peter. And we'll be in chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. But it's no wonder that in the, this letter of Peter, we find so much information about the church. Uh, you'll recall that it was to Peter that Jesus said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. I, I think Peter kind of had this, this, uh, from the very beginning, when the very first words were being talked about God bringing together a people and that Jesus was going to build his church, Peter was right there. When they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and then Peter was there, God, it's good for us to be here. He wanted them to build what? <laughs> a building. And it's like, no, no, Peter, you're, you're missing it. And, and, and Peter had learned so many lessons about what the church is, what the church is not. And so, 1 Peter is a great place for us to begin. And it's, it's uh, as he has so much to talk about, it's, it's very interesting that when he begins in chapter 1, if we go back to, ch- to, to, to chapter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, God's people, God's chosen ones, exiles, scattered throughout the provinces, and listen to this, Pontus, and Galatia, and Cappadocia, and and Asia, and Bithynia, and Finland, and you can just name the countries, you can name the places, because wherever God has gathered a people, and, and Peter says, I have a message for the people of God. And, and maybe you're in Galatia, or maybe you're in Pontus, maybe you're in Bithynia, or maybe this morning, as Jeremy was saying, the global church all around the world. They're still sleeping in the U.S., but Australia's awake, aren't they? You know, in China, and, and Nepal, and, and in, in India, and we're in, you and me were here this morning. So wherever we are, Peter's saying, you know, um, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is how He addresses these churches, these gatherings, and it's how He's talking to you and me this morning. However, there's a couple verses this morning I want us to, to really zero in on From first Peter. As I said, Peter discusses many things, but in chapter two is where we're gonna focus in on. We're gonna be in verses nine and ten in just a moment, but let me kind of set the scene a little bit for us. You know, Peter begins this discussion in chapter two. He He talks about many things relating to the church. He talks about those who've come to Jesus. He says, you've come to Jesus, the living stone. And he says to them, you are being built into a spiritual house. That's one of the other images of a church, being built into a spiritual house as living stones. And and Peter says, you know, some people are going to reject the living stone. But then he says, others are going to embrace him. Others are going to follow after him. Others are going to say to him, you are precious. Others are going to come to him. And it's those who come to Jesus, who come to be his people, that the following two verses, verses 9 and verses 10, that I want to share with you. Oh my goodness, these verses are so well known. But I want to share three things with you. I want to share three things. But let's read it together. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Three things this morning I want to share with you very briefly. The first one's this. But you are but you are. Peter as he finishes talking about those who've rejected Jesus, he then makes a contrast. And then he says, for those of you who've come to Jesus, he says, I want to tell you something, but you who've come to Jesus are. and He, he uses some qualities and features to describe those who've come to Jesus. He, he does it with four Four images, very, very connected images. Did you see them? Look, look at verse nine, 9 again. It says, but you are a, what's the first one? A chosen, a chosen people. Then what? Royal, Royal priesthood, a Royal. holy nation, God's special chosen. Give me just a moment to explain each of these very, very briefly. It's because, you know, these words do not hit you and me. The same way they hit the Jews or the Gentiles. When Peter says to them, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, you know, we read that and it just kind of, okay, it's nice. But it doesn't move us. But it should move us. So maybe a little explanation is in order. Uh, the, the Jewish audience... <laughs> immediately recognized these words. They were words that were from Deuteronomy, words that were from Exodus, words that were from Isaiah, words that were from Hosea. They were familiar with these words. Take the very first one. But you are a chosen people. For the Jewish people, this was something they could Identify with. They were God's chosen people and they liked being God's chosen people. They wore it as a badge of honor. We are God's chosen people. You know, and you think about this when God spoke to Israel um, and he said, You are my chosen people, and God said, I have chosen you from all the people of the world. Once you feel special, <laughs> and here, here's the other thing: the chosen people. It was a promise that was connected to hereditary, to family, to bloodline. In other words, if you were not born into the family, you were not chosen. This is why when the Pharisees said to Jesus. We are whose children? We are Abraham's children. What were they saying? We're God's chosen people. God promised to Abraham from his children, from his descendants, from his lineage, would come God's chosen people. And they said, We are the descendants of Abraham. We're God's chosen people. But Peter understood this in chapter 1 verse 23 Peter told the Jewish people but he also told the Gentiles for you have been what born again he says could you imagine what this meant for the Gentiles <laughs> who can never be a part of the, the Jewish race or be part of God's chosen people in that sense but Peter says, oh, don't, don't worry. You're God's chosen people because you've been born again. You've had a new birth, not of perishable seed. That's the, the, the man side, the, the, the sense. But of God, the imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. In Jesus Christ, you have a new birth. Therefore, you are a new people. You're part of God's chosen people. Me? I wasn't born, but in Christ, you had a new birth. It doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. Through Christ, and and we didn't read the verses there in chapter 2, but in verse 4, it says that living stone, guess what God, Peter says in the living stone, chosen and precious to God. You see, in Christ, you're chosen. In Christ, you're precious. In Christ, we're born again. In Christ, we're God's chosen people. Doesn't matter Jew or Gentile. You're part of the family of God. The, the, the second thing is, is you remember, you are a royal priesthood. Oh, this is good. You know, there's, there's several texts that make up this, uh, from the Old Testament, and there's two key concepts here, two key words. One is royal, and one is priesthood. A royal priesthood. And again, to be considered royalty, how do you become royalty? <laughs> is it something that you do? No. It's something that you inherit. Unless you don't obtain it on your own. For a Jew... Unless your family was part of the Davidic line, you were not considered to be possible for for royalty. It was the line of David that that God said, "I'm going to establish through this line." So, if you weren't part of the Davidic line, the idea of you becoming royalty was non-existent. It wasn't possible. It just wasn't possible. It wasn't expected. Do you remember when people started saying, Jesus might be the Messiah? Is this the king? And people said, what? He is from where? Nazareth. Like what? That that doesn't mix. Remember that when he was a baby, where was he born? In Bethlehem. The line of David. King. But now consider this, that in Christ, in Christ, we are all made part of the royal family. In Christ, no matter what your earthly family is, your earthly race, your background, Jew, Gentile, male, female, it does not matter, you are now connected to King Jesus and your royalty. Could you imagine the the value You felt, as the early Jewish, that that maybe you were from a different line, but now, in Christ, you're royalty. Me? The identity for the Jewish believers? Think of the Gentiles. Their, Their context was the emperor, right? To be part of the emperor's family. This is incredible. Just this week, Queen Elizabeth of England has sat on the throne as Queen of England for seventy years. Seventy years, one person being royalty, and and now Prince Charles is kind of waiting in the way. Will I be king someday? And 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 just this week she was just had some comments about that of of her. She's been royalty for 70 years. But friends, you and I, in Christ, we're royalty. And not for 70 years, not for a few years. We'll rule and reign with Christ forever and forever and ever. We are royalty. The same with priesthood. To be the priests, you had to be part of the Aaron line. And what a privilege for priests. They could come into God's presence. they could come into God's courts. They were there with a very special relationship. But if you were not part of Aaron's line, you cannot. Even if you were a king. Remember Saul? Samuel said, "Wait for the sacrifice." and Saul said, no, no, no. He tried to do what he was not supposed to do. And He said, no. but you are. Royal priesthood. The third is a, but you are a holy nation. Uh, This holy nation and royal priesthood are very much connected in the verses together. But this idea of a nation, whereas earthly kingdoms and earthly nations are restricted by geography. Right? The kingdom of and name the kingdom. There's a king, as we said, the queen of England. There's a a limit to a reign. There's a limit to a nation. There's a limit in geography to where someone's rule is. That's with the earthly kingdoms. But with God's kingdom, there is a new nation that is not restricted by geography. That is not limited to your culture. That is not limited to your language, to your ethnicity. Friends, there is a global church because it is God's Church, we are together a holy nation from different backgrounds, from different nations because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. He has set us apart as a group, as a nation. You have a new citizenship. I'm not sure what your passport you carry, what your ID card says, but today it says in Jesus Christ, you belong to me. You're a citizen of heaven. And we've been declared righteous. This this fourth thing is the, the final one is you are God's special possession. You know, we all have cherished possessions. Sony and I have a box of things when, oh, we want to keep that. We want to remember that. We put it into a box. <laughs> it's getting kind of full, you know. And so you want to go back and you want to have these things you value. Maybe it's a photograph, maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's, it's something that, that, that reminds you of a family member or, uh, or whatever the case may be, a special moment. You consider it very, very precious, uh, a treasure. Did you know that God has a special possession, <laughs> that God has a treasure? I don't understand it, but that God loves, values, cherishes, considers you to be extremely precious. That should do something to our hearts to transform us. But this is just part of what it means to be the church. This is just part of what it means to be the church. But you are. Wow. But Peter doesn't stop there. You see, Peter realizes that that there's a transition and the question is, well, uh, why would God do all this? Why are we, what's behind all of this? And the second part is this, that you may. Hmm. But you are, dun, 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 that you may. What is it that God wants to do with us as his church? Peter sums it up, what the church is all about. And there's many things that the church does and will do. In the weeks ahead, we're going to look into many of these. But the church's primary function is this, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you look carefully at this, you may see something that we mentioned a few moments ago. Who called you out? Who are the called out ones? This, this word in the Greek is the ekakaleo. It's the, it's the, the, it's that the word for the, the church. Peter's saying the, the, the primary function of the ones who've been called out of darkness, our mission of the ones who've been co- gathered together and called out the ecclesia, our mission is to praise, to exalt, to magnify, to make known, to declare the praises, the deeds, the acts the marvelous things of, of Him, of what God has done for you and for me. What has He done? His sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, the forgiveness of sins, the outpouring of the holy spirit, the this is sustaining grace and mercy. Friends, we are to praise God for what Christ has done for you and for me. He has brought us out of darkness the, the sin, the separation from God, where we were lost in our sin, God has taken us out from there. And He's brought us into a new place His wonderful, His glorious, His magnificent light, where everything is new, where everything is different. Listen very carefully what I'm about to say. The job of the church, our job of the church, isn't to change the culture. The job of the church isn't to amass crowds. The job of the church isn't to have a name for ourselves. Look at me, look at me. The job of the church is to proclaim, to lift up the name of Jesus and to boldly proclaim what He has done in His gospel message to the world. It's to lift him up. It, it's, I can't, we can't control what happens out there. What we can do is we, we can point to Jesus. We can lift up his names. So if you come to Jesus, there's forgiveness. There's transformation. There is healing. Sometimes we, we get so frustrated that the, the church is not making more of an impact. But what would happen if we as the church, we began to not focus on out there, but began to focus on him and say, Jesus, we're here for you. We're your people. We want to thank you. What would happen if praises flowed out of this room as we we thank him for what he's done? Oh my goodness, the world will come to find out what's happened to you, what's happened to our hearts, what's happened to our lives as we faithfully and obediently lift up the name of Jesus and proclaim his gospel to the ends of the earth. I believe. God will use us. I believe He will empower us to do just that. So that you may. And finally, number three. But now. (laughs) But you are that you may And so where is this all all going? I like this phrase, but now. Isn't that great? Now. That calls us to action. That calls us to something needs to happen right now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for a different day. There's, there's, There's a now moment that God wants for His church. He says, uh, as Peter closes into one more spiritual reality we find it in verse 10 and this is going to be the launching pad this is where we're going to launch from for the rest of our series he says once you were not a people but what but but now you are the people of god once you had not received mercy. But now, there is mercy flowing in your life. There is grace flowing in your life. You have received mercy. This is a truth that we need to hold on to. We need to come back to over and over and over. It's a truth that will give shape. It will give understanding of what it means to be the ecclesia, to be the church of Jesus Christ what is the church as we said a better question is who is the church the church is made up of the people of God but not just that Peter continues by saying one more important thing about the people of God it is the determining factor for becoming the people of God Peter says that before Christ They had not obtained mercy. He says, before you were outside, you were not part of God's people. You were not chosen. You were not royalty. You were not this. He says, but now you are the people of God in Christ because they have experienced, they have obtained, they have received mercy. The reason given as to why we are God's people all comes down to being a community gathered together of people who have received mercy (laughs) from Jesus Christ our Lord. I am a recipient of the mercy of God and I've been called forth. As a child of God. You have received mercy and grace and forgiveness. And God has called you to be His people. The very truth that we are God's people will enable us with everything we need to be God's ecclesia. Everything that we need to live as God's people to live as God's church. It's all because of the mercy of God. Everything that we have, everything that we will experience, and everything that God's called us to is possible because of His grace, His mercy that is working in our lives. We want to begin this new year, this new season of in-person services, this new season of gathering together, together again, gathering as the called ones, because we want to commit ourselves wholly and fully to live out our lives as the church, to live as God's church. We want to live as God's people. So in the weeks and the days ahead, for the next several, several Sundays, we want to take some time to say, God, reveal more what your mercy is doing in our lives. Reveal more of what you're wanting to do as your church, as you want to live as your church. What does, God, what does it mean to live as God's people? What does it mean to be the church, the ecclesia? The question is, will you join us? I say, you and everyone who's listening, will you join us? Will you do what Peter said of those early believers? You who've come to Jesus, the living stone, are being built together into a spiritual house. He says, some may reject him, but you who are coming, as you come to him, You're being built together. As we come together, Jesus is going to build us as his church. Right here in Helsinki, Finland, he wants to build his church. Peter said to "To those who are in Bithynia, he's building his church. To those who are in Pontus, he's building his church. And I believe through the Spirit, he's saying to those in, in Finland, He's building his church. So we're discovering who we are now. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. What are we called to do? What is it we're about? That you may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. But how is it going to happen? What do I have to do? Nothing. But now you are God's people. You have received mercy. Let's make a commitment and a decision to be the church, to be the ecclesia, to commit to live our lives living as God's. That's what we want. That's what we're praying for. It's been a crazy two years. It's been a challenging two in some years. And it's not over yet. It doesn't matter what the future holds. Because God's mercy. And we're going to sing his praises. Can, can, can we have faith to believe that God is going to build this church here and amongst us? Maybe we want to think about, well, we wish we were more people. We wish we had more of that. I get that. I wish we were more in number as well. But you are God's living stone. And God wants to build you. God wants to use you. He wants to use us together. Can he build his church? He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you build your church? You promised you would. And to do so, you went to the cross. You went to the cross to make a way for us to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Lord, we were sinners, but you made us holy. Lord, People would have cast us off as worthless, but you came from heaven to earth because we were precious in your sight, your special possession, and you ransomed us back with your blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We were bought with the price of your blood. Lord, as we come into this series, as we begin today, we are so thankful for that you've called us out of darkness into your light. You've called us out from where we were to be your people, from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. Thank you, Lord, that in this time and place you are building your church. I pray that you would stir our hearts, give us the faith to believe, Lord God, that you will build in this place a voice where the praises of him who has called us will go forth. Lord, we will sing your praises. We will declare what you have done. Lord, your mighty acts, your mighty deeds, because you have given us grace and mercy to do that. Would you manifest once again, Would you outpour your Holy Spirit in this place as we give you room, Lord God, to move in this place, have your way in this church, in this gathering. Lord, have your way, we pray. Oh, Lord, let the name of Jesus be lifted higher and higher. Let this nation, let the cities hear and know that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient to what you have called us to do, to live as your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.